a few of the front men gigs were conflicting with Restless Heart gigs. So they asked me to come in and fill in for Larry. They called me up one day and said, hey, we got a couple of weekends. We need a, we need a lead singer on. Uh, would you be interested in coming out and filling in for Larry? And I was like, well, let me think about it. <laughs> hell, hell yeah, I'll do it. I'm a huge Restless Heart fan. You know, I've only been practicing 28 years for that gig. So, so, you know, I was like, yeah, let me do it. Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know. The podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. Welcome to the latest edition of Here's What We Know, the podcast of unexpected conversations. And I enjoy, and I, I am looking forward for you to share this with your friends because I am going to catch up with Heath Wright from Ricochet. You know him, the tall, good-looking <laughs> guy who sang Daddy's Money and he left a lot to be desired and all that stuff. Big guy, how the heck are you? Well, you know what, Gary, brother? You said that just the way we rehearsed it. I'm proud of you, man. I'm doing fine. <laughs> I've been doing this a long time. You know how long I've been doing this? I remember... When we got you and the whole damn band to join us to deliver donuts to an insurance agency. I remember that. <laughs> donut, donut delivery by Ricochet. I remember that. That was a fun day. Fun we, we loaded everybody up. And I mean, you know, and the things when you are, when you're working your way up the ladder, right? The things that you had to do back then were bizarre, just, just bizarre. <laughs> and we would get you guys up. Now, again, musicians play when? At night. We play at night. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then we would ask you to get your butts up and join us at 8 a.m. at an insurance agency in San Jose, California. And oh, by the way, <laughs> can you sing a couple of songs while we're there? Uh-huh. Yep. I remember those days. Yeah, we would get up, you know, nice and early just to warm like this morning. I mean, 10, 10 a.m. I'm a I'm a cattle rancher, so I'm usually up a, a little bit a little bit earlier than most musicians tend to get up. I've got a, a couple of sick animals right now. I've been tending to for the last week and I uh so I've been yeah, I, but I, last night was a late night for me. I had a, a bus driver go get my bus in Nashville, so he was he was here at my ranch at 6 a.m. and he uh he took me and dropped me off somewhere so I could so I could retrieve my van. I've got a bus and a van. Both of them are were in the shop, but I got my van back here so that somebody could test drive it. And then my bus driver didn't make it home till like two thirty this morning. Didn't make it back here to the ranch from Nashville from picking up my bus, which has been in the shop for the last two and a half months. So I was a, a little bit tired at seven a.m. when my alarm went off. So I just reached over and turned it turned it off. And brother, I just I'm not gonna lie, I just woke up thirty minutes ago. <laughs> so Dude. as soon as I'm done with this interview, I got to go check on my herd and check on the sick animals and see how everything's doing. And but you know what, this is nice. I got a nice fire going in the fireplace. I got a hot cup of coffee in my hand, and I'm talking to my buddy about donuts. I remember that day. I can't believe you remember that. <laughs> oh man, I I remember that because I had such fan. I was I was such a fan of you guys. I love Daddy's oh. Money, and I just I mean we still play it to this day. Everybody, it's one of those th those songs. You know, there were number one songs from the nineties that radio doesn't play anymore. They, they just don't. True. We still play That's that. True. We still play well, that. You know, and, and a lot of people are still playing that song. That's still on a lot of people's. I guess what they call the recurrent list. And you know, I I love the fact that people are still. I, I wish I'd have known thirty years ago or twenty seven years ago when we recorded that song. I wish I'd have known that it was going to 
still be getting played 30 years later, I, I would have recorded it in a much lower key. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you are you getting to that whole Elton John thing now? Remember when Elton John used to sing high and now all of a sudden it's like, you know, rolling like thunder. <laughs> the covers. Yeah. You know, yeah. he doesn't hit those. But, you know, that's the thing. You, you don't think about that when you're young. And uh, Julie, you remember I do the show with, she had said the most amazing thing to somebody years ago, that if you have a song you better love it completely right. because you're going to sing it if you're lucky for the rest lucky. of your life. That's exactly right. And that's how it's been with daddy's money. You know, 30 years later, I started this band in, uh, in May of 1993. And of course, just a couple of years later, we here we are with a record deal and we're recording songs. Like, and like you said, songs that we were thinking to ourselves, you know, if we're lucky, we're going to be, I was only thinking like maybe 10 years because I'd studied, I had studied country music trends and I knew that bands weren't like solo artists. They weren't, they weren't the kind I mean, there's very few Alabama careers out there. If you think about bands over the years, you can think about, you know, there's been groups like Restless Heart and Exile and, and Alabama. Those bands had staying power and they stuck around for decades. But then there's bands out there that didn't stick around for decades. You know, they're, they've, they're, they've gone by the wayside. And I've, I got to thinking to myself, well, if I'm lucky, I might get 10 years out of this out of this career. But here I am 30 years later, still still singing Daddy's Money you know, in the original key. <laughs> <laughs> because you always were a good singer. That's what, you know, well, and a band is a band. And you're right. It's the hardest thing to keep together because the truth true. of it is, you know, the bass the bass player's girlfriend is telling him he's the reason the band's anything. You know, the drummer's girlfriend <laughs> is telling him he's the reason, the, the, you know. And so you start getting all of these personalities and stuff that that I, I remember talking to a band uh, years ago. I, I think it might have been Restless Heart. And and they were laughing. You know, at that point, there were only four of them. And they said trying yeah. to figure out lunch would make people want to pull guns. Oh, I tell you, I, I, that's one of the things, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, your listeners, I'm too old to start lying to your listeners at this point. So I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I hated that part of being in a band. The whole thing where we had to vote on everything from what the next single is going to be to where we're going to stop for lunch. You know, it, it was a, it was just a, it was just a, a pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie, brother. It, I, I, it, and but, but you know, the truth is. You're right. There are several different personalities that go into being a bad. The Eagles hated each other. Oh, my God. They, they hated, hated each, each other. other. I don't know. They still, I mean, you know, think about the temerity it took for Glenn Fry and Don Henley to just say, no, we're the band and we're firing all of you and we'll hire you back on a per show basis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, that's, I mean, I, I, if I had it to do over again, I don't know that I would be in a band. Or if I were, I would probably do it more like Mark Miller did it. Mark Miller is the owner of Sawyer Brown. And everybody knows that. And so, you know, it's, at this point, it's just he and Hobie are the only two original members left. And so, he, but he, even Hobie, I don't know if Hobie has been made a partner as over the years, but as, as from everything I've read and everything I've heard about those guys, Mark Miller is Sawyer Brown. And he's the guy that everyone focuses on. He's the guy that signs the contract. He's the guy that, you know, that collects the lion's share of, of, of the revenues. And so if he, he pays everybody else on him per show or, or a, a salary type basis so you know you know who he learned that from it. you know who he learned that from uh, no gene simmons from kiss Oh, really? Gene Simmons is the exact same way. Gene Simmons owns Kiss. And even well, during the crazy part. time of, you know, when Kiss was huge and they had, I want to rock and roll all night. Yeah. He didn't do drugs and he didn't drink. 
because he well, understood I, he, he was being he was a businessman and he had his right. eyes on being worth millions where the rest of these guys just wanted to have enough to have a Corvette and meet girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, live and learn. I as of, as of now, I am the only original member of Ricochet left, and you know, here we are doing new things. And and thirty years later, we're you know got a brand new album out, and we just and you know brand new music to to release to our fans. And believe it or not, there's still fans out there. There's fans of '90s country out there. Oh, it's tons. There are radio stations that only do '90s country now, right? And and so so Ricochet here and now, and uh, and and uh, the hits and more hit then and now, and it's got uh, you you've re-recorded some of the uh, the classic ones, Daddy's Money. Uh, my two favorite songs for you was He Left a Lot to Be Desired, and I know you've heard this before, Seven Bridges Road. There, that song well, just wears me out. Well, thank you so much, brother. And you're going to be happy to hear this because the, of the six original songs, the six hits that we re- decided to re-record, those two are both included. So we got, you know, Seven Bridges, He Left a Lot to Be Desired, uh, What Do I Know, Daddy's Money, songs like that that our listener, your listeners will remember. We decided to go in and give them a little sonic facelift and kind of, you know, touch them up a little bit. But when we did, and I don't know about you, man, I, I'm one of those guys that I love country music. I've been a country music fan long before I was a country music artist. And when I go see a band, I still do. I still go to concerts. I still love to listen to music and go out and listen to, to live performances and stuff. And uh, when I do that, I like to sing along with the songs. But you can always tell when an artist has gotten tired of the music yeah. that he's singing, when he's gotten tired of his own hits because he starts changing them up a little, you know, to the almost to the point that, they don't. They don't sound like the same songs anymore. I told my guys, I said, "We ain't doing that. We are not. When we go in and re-record these songs, we're going to re-record them exactly, note for note, the way we recorded them the first time. So, the, basically, the only difference between Daddy's Money, the, the new version, and the original recording of Daddy's Money, is the new one sounds cleaner. Uh, there's, you know, obviously, there's been a lot of uh, yeah. technological advances in recording uh, industry here in the last couple of third couple of decades." So, you know, we, we felt it's like listening to Ricochet in HD now. So we, it's the new, the new songs, uh, there's 10 brand new songs on this thing. And so, you know, our, our, our audience, our, your listeners have, have listened, have waited long enough. It's been well over a decade since we released anything new to the, to the country music audience. So we, uh, we decided it was time to go in and just cut, cut some new stuff. But then we thought, well, maybe they need a reminder of who we are. So we re-recorded six of the old songs. So there's 16 songs on the Then and Now project, and wow. uh, that's why we call it the hits and more. Well, and I love that. I'm not one of those people that go, oh, the warmth of an album. I've been in radio since 1976. No, oh, wow. albums were not warm. They weren't. The, the hiss, crackle, pop, no. Give me that clean <laughs> sound that we have today. And, you know, I because yeah. I, I, I will look forward to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the album, but here's my thing. You know what I love about that song? And, and I don't know who would sing it, but I would love for have you do it and bring in one of these newfangled bass singers. Oh, the bass singers of today are crazy good. There's Tim Faust yeah. from Home Free. Uh, there's oh, Avi yeah. Coplin, who used to be on Pentatonics. There's Jeff Castellucci. I mean, there's you can go to there are bass singer quartets. And, you know, the oh, thing wow. of it, the thing of it is, yeah, you'll go down a rabbit hole with me, Chief, uh, mm-hmm. is is that those guys now hit amazingly low notes, but they sing. And I, uh, yeah. I had Richard Sturban on the podcast. 
Midwest, right? And and uh, mm-hmm. you know, Oom Papa, Oom Papa, Oak Ridge Boys. Oh yes. Uh-huh. And and it was all about back then just hitting the notes. You just tried to hit the note, right? Yeah. But you didn't really try to sing the note. You were just hitting the note. And now mm-hmm. these guys are my gosh, they hit subharmonic notes and they sing them. Right. And yeah, Seven, Bridges, Seven Bridges Road works because it's it's really a bluegrass song. Right. And that's what you do. You would fly over the top. And but well, you, you know, it's, it's so funny that you would mention Seven Bridges Road, because that song, if you listen to the original Steve Young version, Steve Young's the guy who wrote the song. It was written as a waltz. And his version sounds nothing like the Eagles version. But then the Eagles decided to, to add it to their show and they decided to make it an up tempo, you know, four, four times type song and it sounds kind of bluegrass it with sounds it, just, amazingly guitar, bluegrass know? yeah so yeah you're right it's it's very bluegrass and i think even our version is even more bluegrass because we yeah. added that little pyramid stack and that and that one part on the word running you know we've added that sort of like fox on the run type type stack that we do on the word running so you, you might want to play it for your listeners later on but uh, you know it's a it's just one of those great songs that, that, that lives in any format, however you play it. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be all about bringing in a guest vocalist for a, Dude. For a remake of that song. Yeah, you, you know, just I, need- I, love, uh, I love it. It's one of our biggest songs in our show. Yeah, you just need to find that big bass voice. I mean, they're crazy. <laughs> and I found out oh, – well, I'll tell you what. Let me pay for this. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to cut back more with Heath Wright from Ricochet. I am so excited to be working with the Nugent Family Counseling Center founded by Dr. Jeff Nugent. They have three office locations in San Jose, Santa Clara, and Reno, Nevada. What they do is support a diverse community of children, adolescents, adults, and families who are affected by conditions such as addiction, depression, anxiety, trauma, stress, and grief. They strive to provide clients with the tools needed to understand and acknowledge the effects that their emotions and behaviors have on themselves and their personal relationships. As Dr. Nugent told me... We try to help our clients fix what's wrong. They don't want you coming forever. They want to help you get past this problem. And they also remind families what they love about each other and utilize a combination of individual, family, and couples therapy. They can help you no matter what you're facing. You do not have to go through this alone. Check out NugentTherapy.com. NugentTherapy.com. You can do this and they can help. Sterling Oak Cabinetry has one goal, to build the cabinets of your dreams. They literally specialize in custom cabinetry. No cookie cutter, everything looks the same stuff that you find at the big box stores. Your kitchen is the centerpiece of your home, and your home is your biggest investment. They can work with you or your designer to build just what you want with the materials and finish that you want. And because they're a brand new company, they'll be getting busier and busier. But if you order right now, they'll get your order to you in six to eight weeks. In the world of cabinetry, that's blindingly fast. Contact Rob Scoveman at R-S-K-O-V-M-A-N-D at Yahoo.com or go to SterlingOakCabinetry.com and get your dreams made reality tomorrow. All right, brother. Here we are. We're back. You know what I found out about you? I found out you as a tall, good-looking young man, and you didn't wear a hat back in the day. You know why? Because your hair was fantastic. Well, I had the award-winning mullet. Man, I'm telling you, when you got an award-winning mullet, you just got to show it off. Dude, it was such an amazing set of hair. And it was great. And now you're a rancher. You literally live in Oklahoma. I'm, uh, I'm getting My in-laws live in Tulsa. Oh, no kidding. So I'm in, oh. I'm in Oklahoma. Oh. 
all the time. Well, you probably drive out if you coming. Where are you, where are you coming in from? Well, we're coming from San Jose, so we fly into Tulsa, oh, okay. right? And so, yeah. and then my my uh, my brother in law and his wife, my father in law, mother in law, they all live in Tulsa. So we're getting ready to hand head over there in just a couple of weeks. And you know, my 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 brother in law texts me. He goes, "Hey, do you want to play golf when you're here?" And I'm like, "What's it like?" And he goes, "Up oh, 39, 40 degrees." And I'm like, "I'm literally sitting here in shorts and a t shirt on the golf course, and it's seventy four degrees i think i'm good i think i'm good <laughs> yeah it's it's it was it's been pretty cold here the last couple of days we uh like i said we've been doctoring sick cows and calves and trying to trying to keep them alive until i could get them to the market and trying to i've got one or two that are in that are uh, kind of weak right now and it just need a little bit of extra protein and so i'm keeping them up and feeding them separately just so they'll make sure they get their share but it's Dude. you know sometimes we're out there early in the morning or later in the evening and Listen, it's a little cool. I'm, I'm, I haven't broke out the long johns yet, but I'm, I'm getting close to it. I worked on a profession. I grew up in South Alabama, right? So I, uh-huh. I grew, I, I worked on a professional farm as a kid. Uh, and, uh-huh. and I learned the most important thing that I never want to work that hard in my life. Right. So for that's such, what I learned. For such small pay. Yeah. For such yeah. little pay. You got to add that part too, brother. So, there, let me tell you something. The best way to become a millionaire in the ranching business is start with two million. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so hard and it never stops. It's the stuff that never stops. Uh, that, that you never, you don't get to take a day. They don't care if it's your birthday. A farmer oh, ranch they, doesn't they care they if it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> they, they don't care. It's, it's just, it's just that nonstop work. And, and the fact that that you still do it so you know you've started wearing a cowboy hat because you should you're a rancher by gosh you uh well yeah it, it wasn't just because the the hair thing i mean i i'm gonna be honest i'm i don't have as pretty a head of hair as i did back in the 90s but uh you know being a rancher you out in all sorts of weather you know sun yeah. and, and cold and and I've gotten to where I, I got to have a hat on. Even if I go outside, I've got to put something covering my head. I get cold, or I, I get sunburned. One or the other. Dude, so, you know, you are a, preaching to the choir here. <laughs> I, I'm the hair that hasn't turned gray. Gary, it's turning loose. Yeah, I'm right there. Listen, my uh, my son was looking at my ball spot the other day, and he goes, have you ever thought about just trying to grow it back? And I'm like, yeah, I've thought about it. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I love finding out about you? I had no idea you were a band geek. I had no idea because oh. you were way too good looking to be in the band. Well, you're you're entirely well, you're you're too kind, Gary. I'm I'm gonna be I'm running out of money here. I'm, I'm I can't keep paying you for all these good good looking comments, but I appreciate it, brother. Well, you were, <laughs> and you but but it, it made fine. It made sense when I found out what you played. Yeah, I was a drummer. Yeah. I was a drummer in high school. Drummers were the I, only uh, one I, the chicks I did. Still, we still do a thing in our show where we break out the marching drums and do this silly little thing at the end of Daddy's Money. We do like a blue man group thing. So it's yeah, I still get to use my. My rudiments. I'm, I'm, I was a rudimental drummer. I played snare and and uh, you know I actually in marching band I played tritoms and then you know in concert band I played snare or timpanis whatever was needed for the song and uh, you know I I still love it. Me and my son my son graduated in, in 2021, but here in Vianney, Oklahoma we do this thing on home, on homecoming night where the alumni all gather up and they play a song with the marching band. So me and my son Dustin we got to actually do the alumni band here a couple of weeks ago during homecoming. 
Oh, that's so cool. I was a band geek, too. I played French horn. And you know what? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, the chicks dig drummers. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. So not, not in Vianna, Oklahoma, they don't. No, I, 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 I wasn't like I was beating them off. They, you know, yeah. they all dig the football players. I bet you were beating them <laughs> off more than the French horn players were. I'm just, I'm throwing that out there, <laughs> right there to you, big guy. You know who else was a, a, a band geek drummer? And, and once, once I tell you his name, you look at him, you go, yeah, he looks like a drummer. Russell Dickerson. Oh, Russell really? Dickerson was a four year band geek drummer. Cause I'm like, did you play ball and stuff? He goes, I played a little baseball. He goes, mainly I was in the band though. And I'm like, you and I are going to be best <laughs> friends. We're going to be That's best awesome. friends. <laughs> yeah. I can, hey, I, we ought to have a, we ought to have a, what do they call it? Like a drum off of a fight of drum war. We ought to do a drum war one of these days. You know, I like, would like pay in, to uh, see that drum line, that movie drum line where they, they're facing off. Each, <laughs> that'd be cool. I, hey, I can still do my paradiddles and my Rattamacues and my flamadiddles and all that. We, the other last week when, uh, during homecoming, Dustin and I, I didn't prepare very well. I'm not going to lie. I didn't practice because, you know, I got things to do here at the ranch and I was just coming off the road and, uh, hang on, I just didn't have time to really look at the music, and we did an old Journey song called uh, "Don't Stop Believing." Don't stop Don't believing, stop yeah, yeah. And I didn't prepare very well, and so I had the music on my iPad, and I set the iPad down on my drum head. I was just going to, you know, march out there, and we were, it wasn't a marching routine. We we're just going to stand next to some, in the drum line and, and play along. And my son didn't prepare as well as he should have either, because he had things to do here at the ranch as well, and so he just. He printed off the music and taped it to his drum head. Well, when I set my iPad down, it changed the sound of my drum. So I'm like, oh man, I hate the way this drum sounds with the iPad set on it. My son's like, well, just look on, look, look over on my drum. We stood right next to each other. I said, all right. So every photo, every photo of me on the drum playing it during the alumni day was me looking over at my son's drum, copying off his head, you know? <laughs> hey, can I ask you, do you think drums are the hardest things to play and sing? Is it harder than keyboards or, or, uh, or guitar? I would assume so, yeah, because you're using every appendage that you got. You're using both hands and both feet. You know, so every, you're sitting there at the drums, you're trying to keep, I, I, I've never tried to do it. I, I don't play a kit very well a drum kit. I, you know, I can play one or two drums at a time, but I, I've never tried to sing at the same time. So I would assume with all that motion going on with both feet and both hands, that it would be difficult to sing at the same time. I don't know. You know, it took me a while to learn how to play guitar and sing at the same time, like play, you know, fills in between lines and, and lead, lead stuff, you know, cause I'm a lead guitarist. Uh, I'm not just a strummer. I've actually played leads. So I, uh, yeah, I would imagine that playing a kit of drums and trying to sing at the same time would be, is a, is a challenge. Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was from Restless Heart. Remember, he was the drummer, and then John, Larry Stewart. John, John. Yeah, yeah, John. Yeah. I remember, because he, uh, Larry was there, and then Larry left, and it was kind of like a genesis, if you know anything about. Remember, Phil, uh, oh, yeah. the, uh, Peter Gabriel left. And they're like, well, who's oh, going to yeah. sing? And they're like, well, uh, let's all see who can sing. And then Phil, yeah. Phil Collins said, I'll try. And they're like, yeah, you're the singer now, right? And the same thing <laughs> with, with yeah. John, when Larry left. John, you oh yeah, and people forget that John had a number of number one hits. Yeah, he sang. He sang when she cries. Mm -hmm. And and then yeah, he, how do you th how weird do you think? Just because uh, I'm and let me know when you need to go because I'll tell you the truth right now. I will talk your ear off. <laughs> I'm all right, brother. I'm all right. All right. So because I I know I know we had like a little limited time, but I just mm -hmm. I you know we're of the same generation, and so I just I love. Brother, let me out. tell you something. It is. 
it is refreshing that you have, you're so knowledgeable and that you've actually done your homework on Ricochet. I did an interview the other day. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it was, it was, a it was an older gentleman and he didn't bother to even read the email that Scott, my publicist sends out about the new project or about, you know, the band. He, he started the interview with the question. So, Tell the people your name and what you do in the band. That's how he started the question. He didn't know any of this stuff. Dude, I am <laughs> so it's always... It's very refreshing to have somebody like you, a pro, that knows what he's doing. I am always so shocked, right, when I talk to people, and when I talk to authors, right? I talk to everybody on my podcast. I, mm-hmm. I, I talk to... And I'm always like, when the publicists reach out, I'm like, well, send me the book. And they're like, okay. And then when I get people on the, you know, on the podcast with me and I go... Hey, okay, so let's talk about this book. And they're like, you read it? And I'm like, <laughs> who? who and they said the same thing you did. It's like, it's rare to find somebody who's actually read the book. But the good thing is, we, you know, I've been doing mornings at KRTY since 1991. I, I, I've seen you. I, I mean, you, and, uh-huh. and, and we've done, like I said, we delivered donuts together. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We delivered donuts together. That's awesome. And man. just, <laughs> and watching these things and knowing and being able to ask the ins and outs. So I love asking things that only that, not that it's that you have a learned opinion. So I would love to ask you, what do you think that was like when Larry came back to Restless Heart? I mean, because John was the singer and now hold it. Larry Larry's coming back. Wait, well, what? you know, it, not just John, but also Paul uh, sang a couple of hits. Yeah. He sang a song called "The Men and Fences." I, I know a lot about Restless Heart because I'm the fifth member, uh, the sixth member of Restless Heart. They, I tell people because <laughs> I have actually gone out on the road with Restless and filled in for Larry whenever they first started the Frontman Project. I don't know wow. if you, your listeners know this or not, but Larry and uh, Tim Rushlow and Richie McDonald, the lead singers from Restless Heart. Lone Star, uh, Little Texas, and, and, Lone and Lone Star, they have got a project together now called the Front Men of Country. Well, when they first started this about ten years ago, this this thing has been in the works for quite some time. The few a few of the front men gigs were conflicting with Restless Heart gigs, so they asked me to come in and fill in for Larry. They called me up one day and said, "Hey, we got a couple of weekends. We need a we need a lead singer on. Uh, would you be interested in coming out and filling in for Larry?" And I was like, "Well, let me think about it. Hell, hell yeah, I'll do it. I'm a huge Restless Heart fan. You know, I've only been practicing 28 years for that gig, so so you know, I was like, yeah, let me do it, man. So I went out and filled in for Larry. It was awesome. I had a great time. Learned all the songs. I even learned the stuff that he said in between songs, just so it." You know, and the guys, after after the first the first night, the guys are like, "Hey, you don't have to do everything Larry does. I mean, you, you make it your own. Right? Make it your own show." I said, "Oh, okay, all right, dude. Once uh, a band geek, always a band geek." Yeah, I was. I figured that you know there were certain little keywords that that the, the John, the drummer, would know when to start the next song because of what Larry was saying in between songs. That's how my drummer does it. You know, yeah. he knows when to start the next song based on certain phrases that I might might say in between songs. Anyway, fast forward about five or six years, they call me up again. They say, hey, we need you to fill in. And I said, for Larry? And they say, no, this time for Greg, the guitar player. And I'm like, oh, really? I said, well, that's, that's cool. I mean, I've been, every time a Restless Heart song, a record would come out, I would go buy it. You know, I would buy it and I would learn all the parts. I would learn the guitar parts. I would learn the vocal parts. I'm, when I say the vocal parts, not just the lead vocal, but all the harmony parts as well. And I, I was a, I was a band geek, you know, so I I was a huge fan, and I I just thought they were such an innovative band. They had that cool West Coast blend, mm-hmm. you know, like the Eagles, the two harmonies above and two harmonies below the lead vocal. And so I was one of those guys that learned everything. And I thought I knew the guitar parts note for note, 
turns out after they sent me a work tape, uh, which was just Greg's part soloed on, on a live show, I was playing those parts wrong for the last 30 something years. <laughs> so, yeah, I had to relearn all the guitar parts and I went out and did a couple of weekends with the, or one weekend with the guys as the guitar player. So I, I refer to myself as the spare tire of restless hearts. So they, they call me the sixth member. I'm basically the spare tire. I think Unfortunately, that's the, so much fun. I think that's so much fun. Yeah, well, I, I would love to amazing. hear your version of I'll still be loving you. I would hey, love to on, hear that. It's on YouTube, believe it or not. Really? It's on YouTube. I'll find yeah. it. I go down the YouTube yeah. thing because my, you know, my studio's at home and there's sometimes I'll get too quiet and my wife will come down and go, what are you doing? Because she knows I've gone down the rabbit hole. Hey, brother, uh, send me your, is this number that I call, is this a studio number or is this your cell number? This is my cell number that you're on. I'll, I will send you the link so you don't have it because it's kind of hard to find. It was a show that we did in Texas for Neil McCoy for his Angel Network show that he does every year out there in, in uh, I want to say, Tyler, well, Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but anyway, it it, it's kind of hard will, to find. I will include that link on this episode so oh, people awesome. can find it because that would be I, awesome. I love that song so much. And I've always been such a fan of your voice that that would be, that'd be a really cool thing oh, to hear. Shoot. I just, I just realized that was the weekend I was filling in for Greg. So I'm only playing the guitar part on, on that particular recording of it. So that, that, and hey, that's the only but one. You're st- but you're still doing the harmonies, right? No, I, you know what? I sort of, I sort of stood back. I let the other, cause there's, there was five vocalists in that band and I didn't really do a lot of singing except for on certain things where they needed a fifth vocal. Cause Greg just doubles a part. He doubles, uh, I want to say Dave's part. Dave Ennis's part. So I just kind of, I didn't do a whole lot of singing. Uh, I, I kind of, especially on that song cause it's so, it's so intricate. The chords of that song are so intricate, and I wanted to make sure I played every single note exactly the way he played it. So I didn't really sing on that song, but I did play the guitar part, and I nailed that solo, if I do say so myself. I nailed it. <laughs> I believe you. I mean, well, you know, I, I think I lost my original train because you you were literally, so you were even a better answer to this than I even know, because you are the Well, the I mean, the original question, and I'll answer your original question. Your original question is, how do, how do I think the guys felt when Larry came back? Yeah. I think, you know, I think they were, I believe they invited Larry back. And I believe that was a, that was an on purpose thing because they wanted to make it seem like a reunion type tour. Uh, the original five members, they'd been going out and doing shows as, as a four piece. And I believe they'd carry a couple of extra guys with them just, just, uh, as support musicians, but they were, you know, performing as a four piece, but you know, Larry's the voice of all those hits, like Blue Eyes in Texas and, and Why Does It Have to Be Wrong or Right? And as you said, you know, uh, I'll still be loving you. He's the voice of all those hits. And I uh, I know that they were pleased to have him back. They had already had a couple of hits. They had proven to country radio and the country fans that they can have hits without him. And so now they had the, the songs that John sang, and they were able to add those to the show. And they had the songs that, that Paul had sung on the radio, and they could add those songs. So I believe it was kind of a... It was a, like a, a very happy reunion for those guys. Honestly, it's it's interesting. Again, I'm gonna I'm because I'm I'm just geeking out music wise with Heath because this is what I do. Uh, but you know, <laughs> you think about it like the Doobie Brothers, right? I mean, they're all going back on tour now, but they went through a time where, where it was it was Tom Johnston, you know, and China Grove, whoa ho ho, and then you had Old yeah. Blackwater, and you had the that guy I can't remember his name right now, but then you had the Michael McDonald years, which was their biggest that's when they became the doobie brothers and then they yeah. kind of went went their way and i had this conversation i had william lee golden on from the oakridge boys right and they told me i said what happened there and he goes they fired me and i'm like wow and i said so 
what, what you came back? And he goes, well, they all looked on the walls and saw that none of the gold records that they didn't have any gold records. It didn't have me on it. And so they <laughs> called me up and said, would you come back? And I said, what made you come back? And he goes, well, buddy, they fired me for a reason. I was not a good man. I was running around uh-huh. on my wife. I was doing drinking and drugging. And I mean, they, so we all just put it behind us. And, and I look at that with the Doobie brothers. They all, they're all on tour now and they've all sat back and said, you know, we can make a lot of money together, right? Exactly. As you said, you make money touring. You're not Steve Suskin, mm-hmm. you know, Suskin, yeah, who, you know, who wrote Daddy's Money along yeah, with Bobby Apero, you know, and having yeah. those guys just get checks in the mail. Yeah, I have to do a little bit more than just walk to the mailbox to get my, my paycheck. I have to get on the bus and go out and play the, play the songs that those guys wrote, you know. But yeah, I, you know, I, but I'd, I'd love to know what it's like to have, to have that mailbox money to know, to, you know, cause I didn't write any of the hits, unfortunately. But you're right. I mean, and I, I, I've never had to fire a band member. I'm happy that I've never had to do that. Band members have always left to go do better things in their career. And I've, I've always been supportive. When a band member like right now, I, my the only other guy in the original band that still plays music for a living is Eddie Kilgallen, and he's been the band leader and the actually the tour manager as well for Montgomery Gentry, which is now Eddie Montgomery of Montgomery Gentry, uh, for the last twenty something years. And I'm happy for him, and that we still get together when I'm in Nashville. We hell, he played the Opry with us last time we played it. So I'm I'm happy for these guys that they've gone on and they've done better things in the, in the either in the music industry or some other industry. But I, uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not always, I'm not opposed to a, a reunion tour of, of sources. It's just that those guys don't play music anymore. So yeah. Everyone's always saying, Hey, what are you going to put the old band back together? So, well, first of all, how would it, if you had somebody in your past that had done something and done it on a professional level and then didn't do that for 20 years, would you bring them back into your business? And try to try to get them to you know your business that makes money that you know depends on your whether or not you make money on how well you do your business. Yeah, no, no you wouldn't. I mean, I, I'm not going to bring uh, one of one of my guys quit the band to become a carpet cleaner. Yeah, he's to start his own carpet cleaning business. I'm not lying. This is not a joke, brother. He quit the band to start a carpet cleaner. Another guy quit the band so that he could be in a a vending machine business, a, a business called movie music. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we, we told people that it was because of his carpal tunnel, which he did have carpal tunnel, but he had this great opportunity to join this company called movie music. And that was the main reason that he quit the band. But the truth is these guys don't play anymore. And so I need, I mean, my band are made up of professionals. I, I handpicked the very best musicians out of Eastern Oklahoma and Western Arkansas. And sometimes my guys have to drive two and a half, three hours just to get to my ranch, just to get on the bus and leave to drive another 20 something hours, you know, dedication, so man. we, uh, they're professionals. They know what goes into this and they understand that, that we, what we do, we better be, they better be damn good at it <laughs> because this is, this is my business. I need it. I need people to understand that, you know, even though these aren't the original guys anymore, these are the best guys in the business that I, that I could find right here in my little home, home area. So a couple of things I, band I, uh, I have now, I'm very proud of, I, I, we were, we got the same big vocal sound, the big uh, harmonies, and they're all great instrumentalists. And that was important to me that not just that they be able to sing, but they also be able to play. And you know, this new album of ours, then and now it's something that we, uh, we put together and we played every note on it, which, I'm, I'm going to be honest with your listeners. We didn't play on the first original recordings of these songs. They so, bring so, in, they bring in ringers. Yeah. They bring, they bring in studio musicians. And you know, some bands don't even get to sing on their own albums. The lead singer would, would sing, but the, the other guys would be replaced by 
professional singers that were brought into, you know, ringers to, to sing on the project. So yeah. I'm, I'm pleased that, you know, at least we got to sing on the old stuff, but we actually sang and played every note on this, this new album. So this will be the first time that your listeners have actually heard Ricochet. And it's actually all Ricochet, the music and the vocals. You know, a couple of things, uh, you know, I, I, as you and I go through the different ping pongs of music, you know, Sting has always resisted going back on the road with the, the police and they probably won't. And one of the things he said is he wanted to be able to, he wanted to be able to hire his musicians because he wanted to be able to fire them. And he couldn't fire yeah. Andy Summers and Stuart Copeland. They go, so. Oh. Well, he couldn't fire him. So they would only argue because they couldn't fire him. He goes, that's why I like doing my own stuff. But the other thing, yeah. you know, Steve Seskin's from San Jose, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And <laughs> that's, Steve, I knew he was from California. I didn't know Steve used to go to shows all the time. And I remember talking to him one day. We were somewhere. I can't remember where it was. And, uh, and I'm like, do you ever go out on the road? And he said exactly what you said. He goes, nope. I walked to the mailbox. That's where my check's at. <laughs> so I let you know, Steve, who was one of the co-writers on Daddy's Money, let wants you to know that that's a pretty sweet gig he had. Yeah, and he still gets to walk to the mailbox because, as you said, they're still playing that on the radio. So he still gets his performance royalty check. You know, I mean, we don't sell a lot of records anymore, but he still it still gets played on the radio. So he still gets a little check every every quarter. And on that, daddy's money 30 uh, almost 30 years later you know 27 years later isn't that fun <laughs> i mean and it's just oh and i have you've been so generous for your time and i've been i've been going over it. we need to do this again because when you have more time i, I know you're a rancher so I, I i don't want to take up any more time of that but but it's it's when you have more time and we can just because as you can tell i'm gonna go all over the map with you because i i still want to <laughs> dig into restless heart i still want to dig into all the different things and all the people you know you were saying people go and do stuff I'll, I'll leave you with this one story talk about band members okay All one, right. of, one of my best friends one of my best friends used to be in a band back in the 90s uh, and, and in fact his dad named the band they were just a bunch of uh, kids who would come over and play in the garage and it, uh-huh. his dad his dad came came over and his dad said oh look who's here it's the offspring now i don't know if you know the 90s and early 2000s band the the, the offspring they're huge Huge band now. I, I've heard of them. Yeah, I, I'm not as familiar with their music, but I have heard of the Offspring. My buddy said he got into the band to meet girls, but the notice that as he kept getting <laughs> older, the girls kept getting younger, and he knew that math didn't work. So he mm-hmm. left not to become not to become a carpet cleaner. He left. He is a, <laughs> he is a surgeon now, right? Oh wow! But here's the, the cool medical- part. Yeah, yeah, went to medical school, and he's just a nut job. You'd love him. He's an absolute nut job. <laughs> and he does a performance art band now called, uh, 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 oh, gosh, Bunko. If you ever look that up, it's hilarious. But uh, this summer, he calls me up. He goes, hey, man. He goes, the offspring are coming to Shoreline, and they want to bring me up to play a song. Wow. Which was so cool. So we all went and saw him. So if you sit back and said, would you ever invite anybody? Up? They brought him up because they've all made their money now. They brought him up mm-hmm. and said, here's the original drummer. And he got to play a song with him. And it was so cool because he has college age daughters now and they've never oh, wow. seen him be a rock star. <laughs> I can understand that, you know, because my son, we played the, the, the Grand Ole Opry back in October of last year for the first time in 22 years. Wow. And my son, who just turned 21, had never seen me on that stage. I mean, he's seen me on some old television shows. There was this thing called Opry uh, Encore on RFD Network. So he knew I'd played that stage before, but he had never seen it, seen it happen. So he got to be there last October when they invited us back after 22 years. 
he got to be there to see dear old dad up on the stage at the Grand Ole Opry and watch the whole show from backstage. And so yeah, I can understand that exactly how he must have felt uh, that day when he is that Because there's a certain sense of pride, you know, that Amen. goes into to that, you know, and to your kids getting to watch you do what do your thing and do it on a certain level. So I, I, I understand where he, what he must have felt that day. Man, right, I got to tell you something. Go ahead. I, this has been my favorite interview I've done in months. I'm going to – I send my, my publicist, Scott, I send him a, an email after, after well, I do, he'll, he'll schedule a bunch of interviews for me. And at the end of the day, I send him an interview and I was telling which ones went well and which ones not to reschedule for the next, next time, you know, because like, as I said, not everybody does their homework. And I, if people aren't going to do their homework on me, I feel like their competitors ought to get the, the interview next time, honestly. And so honestly, I, I'm going to tell Scott, Anytime you need an interview, you call. I love this kind of thing. We've been talking for almost 45 minutes, and it was supposed to be a 20-minute interview. But I, I'm I'm one of those guys that if I get to talking music someone, with someone and I'm enjoying it, I'll just keep going, too. I don't have another interview until 3 o'clock this afternoon. I've got time to go out and check on my herd. and and uh, But I've enjoyed this thoroughly, brother. Thank you for, for doing your homework. I really appreciate that. Dude, I've had the best time. And that's it. I People always <laughs> ask me, what are your questions? I'm like, I don't have questions. I want a conversation. Oh, really? I want a conversation. <laughs> that's awesome. All I want is, is I do my research and I know that stuff, but all I want is conversations. If I could sit back and, you know, we said, I had no idea we were going to talk about Restless Heart. I learned something oh, about you today, right? <laughs> hey, oh, you know what I... I, before we get off of here, I got to mention one thing though. I, I've got a list of things I should mention as well. Go ahead. And one, and we we talked about the new album. We talked about the new songs and the old songs on the album. But one of the best ways to get the project, if, I know there's a lot of people, a lot of your listeners that are downloaders, and I I even download stuff on my devices as well. But sometimes I like to own the project. Uh, there's the best way to actually own the CD and hold it in your hand and flip through the liner notes and and have have the physical product is to go to a, a website called adoptacop.com. There's an organization out of Las Vegas, Nevada called the Wounded Blue. Gary, the Wounded Blue is one of those organizations. It's actually the only nationwide organization that's sole mission is to help our law enforcement officers whenever they need help. It doesn't matter what kind of help they need, whether it be financial help, legal help, or just, you know, emotional, spiritual help. They, yeah. they are there to provide support to our wounded law enforcement officers. Anyone wounded in the line of duty, if you're a Leo and you're wounded in the line of duty, you can turn to the Wounded Blue and they will help you. So go to adoptacop.com, give a $20 donation or more, plus shipping and handling, and they will send you the new Ricochet Then and Now project. And that's that's something that we've done. I've, I've always said that I believe the three most dangerous words spoken in this country are defund the police. I believe you know, I, was, I read on their website the other day. I hate I hate that that term. I just hate it with a passion. Amen. Because I think it's it's going to do nothing but bring uh, turmoil to our country. And, and this is a, here's a stat for you that proves it. Over 120,000 officers have been intentionally attacked in the last two years since that whole defund the police crap started. So you know, do so if you want to counter that movement. If you're like me and you're conservative and you want to. You want to have a good, strong police force in your community, and you want to counter that whole defund the police movement, go to adoptacop.com, give them $20, and they'll send you the new Ricochet Project. I love that. I love that you're doing that. I mean, I uh, some of my dearest friends are are, are law enforcement officers, and the fact there that, you, you know, the fact that when you do your job, there's a, there's a fear of you have to factor in the worst possible outcome. I mean, you know, right. when I do my job, I can screw up all day long, nobody dies. 
Right. I, I mean, <laughs> but but yeah. when you do stuff like that, it's like that's a different breed of animal. And yeah, yeah, we could listen. We'll make that the topic of the next conversation. All right, let's do it, man. We'll go down all kind of ra- and things right there because that's what I do. But I knew I was going to have fun with you because I remember I had fun with you that day we did it. That day we delivered donuts. <laughs> I remember I just had the best time because a lot of times people get a little bit of an attitude because they're angry and they're tired. Tired and but you guys understood exactly what you were doing, and, and yeah. you understood the concept of what was going on. And I I always loved that about you, and that, I always <laughs> had that because you know when I when they asked me, you want to talk to Heath right? And I'm like, ah hell, of course I do. Yes, yes I do. <laughs> so I well, am. Thank thrilled. you, brother. Thank you for taking the time to to chat with me about this new stuff and about everything else, man. Like I, like I said, Scott is about to get an email saying anytime. My buddy Gary Scott Thomas wants an interview. Make sure that he make it happen. So anytime, day or night, my friend. Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time. Bye.